Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Judges chapter 2 and verse number 8, the Bible says in Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died, being an hundred and ten years old. And they buried him in the border of his inheritance in Timnathheres, in the Mount of Ephraim on the north side of the hill Gaash. And also all that generation, everybody say that generation, were gathered unto their fathers, and there arose another generation. I want you to look at your neighbor this morning and tell them there's another generation after them, which knew not the Lord, which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which he had done for Israel. And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served Balaam. I want to minister with the help of the Lord this morning. This was not my intention. But I feel the Lord has led me in this direction this morning. On this subject, another generation. Would you lift your hands one more time and just ask the Holy Ghost to touch us today. Mighty God in Christ, I love you. Thankful God for your presence. Thankful Lord that your mercies are new every day. We need you this morning, Lord. Minister to us by the eternal word of God. We need you. We'll give you the praise. In Jesus' name. Smack your neighbor high five this morning. You can be seated. I didn't say it was going to be easy. Another generation. Joshua was the second in command under Moses. The Bible teaches us that he led the nation of Israel to conquer the land of Canaan and settle the promised land. Joshua was born in Egypt. He went through the great events of the Exodus He went through the initial Passover. Joshua was with Moses in the wilderness of Sinai when Moses had gone into the mountain to talk with God. Joshua received from Moses a very prominent place in the tabernacle. When Moses sent out spies to scout the land of Canaan, Joshua was one that was selected as the representative of the tribe of Ephraim. It was only Joshua and Caleb who went And they came back with a positive report and said, we're ready to go possess it. At Moses' death, Joshua was chosen to be his successor. He led the Israelites to conquer the land. He supervised the division of territory among 12 tribes. He led the people to renew their covenant with God. And as Moses' successor, Joshua completed the work which his predecessor began. Moses led Israel out of Egypt, but Joshua led them into Canaan. Joshua's name is an Old Testament meaning of the name Jesus. It means the Lord is salvation. 
By his name and by his life, Joshua demonstrated the salvation that only comes from a life with God. Now we find in Scripture that death has taken its toll on the man Joshua. He is, he's an old man. He's at the ripe old age of 110 years old. He's departed this life. He's began his new life in eternity. He's led a life that is full of accomplishments. He completed his mission, and now he's died. There's nothing really significant about his burial except the fact that they explicitly state the location of where it was. And the only other matter of significance is his age. Being, in modern day terms, 110 years old is a pretty ripe old age to live to. But the Bible says in verse number 10 of our scripture text, And also that generation were gathered unto their fathers. It is referring to a specific generation. It calls them that generation. It was speaking of the generation that was with Moses. He is speaking of the generation that was with Joshua. They are speaking of the generation of Israelites that had seen the miracles of God. They've seen water flow from a rock. They've seen uh, birds fall from the sky. They've seen manna rain from heaven. They've seen the Red Sea split and they've walked on dry ground and they, they could stoop down and feel the dust on the ground as the water had parted. There wasn't any mud presence. It was all dry ground. They've seen the miracles. They've seen the wonders. They've experienced the power of Jehovah God in their life. That generation gathered together unto their fathers. That generation, that elder generation was a generation of Joshua. They gathered together at his death and they represent a group of people that knew God. They represent a people that were consistent with God. They represent a group of people that never let go of what God had done for them. That generation represents the elder generation of our present day. The parents and grandparents of my generation who know firsthand the works of God. They've seen the great wonders that God can do. There are people in this house this morning, they've seen God do healing. There are people in this house this morning that have seen God perform miracles. There are some of you that have experienced it in your life. There are some of you with back trouble that no longer have back trouble because the laying on of hands, God performed a miracle in your life. There are those of you this morning that have had cancer that are survivors. Not survivors just simply of your own will, but survivors because God was with you. There are those of you this morning that, that should have never had children, but you've had children today because God spoke a blessing in your life. There are those of you that may not have ever came out of surgery but you came out of surgery because God performed something in your life it wasn't just the greatness of medical science but it was the hand of almighty God doing a work in your life there is a generation today that has seen what God can do I have heard countless stories from Bishop over the years of his parents' day and how when they went to pray for somebody, they didn't leave until you were healed. Personally speaking, I don't know what that's like. Personally speaking, when anyone has ever come to pray for me, they've prayed and they left. 
right, wrong, or indifferent. And I, I wasn't healed every time. Maybe they left too soon. But I've never experienced anybody with such a drive and such a determination that they was not going to let you go until God performs something in your life. There is a generation, but ladies and gentlemen, we are walking on dangerous steps today because the generation that has experienced God, the generation that's seen miracles, the generation that has seen signs and wonders, they're getting older every minute and they're dying off by the day and they're leaving us with a heritage that I'm afraid we're not living up to at this moment. There is a generation that we need to uphold what God has done. Some of you have heard these stories before, but I can remember a time on a Friday night service when I was uh, just a teenager. There was a 70-year-old man that sat uh, about back there where Brother Cox is. He was over on the far side against the wall. Eyes rolled back in his head. His neck popped back cold dead right there in the middle of preaching. Now when that happens, you're either going to have revival or you're not. There are only two options. The man didn't have a pulse. His eyes was rolled back in his head. He had nothing. He was already turning color. The man was undeniably dead. We had a nurse in the church who confirmed it. He was dead. My father and some of the elders of the church went back there and laid hands on him in the name of Jesus. And within seconds, his eyes popped open and his breath came back into his body and he began to live again. In seconds. I can remember at 14 years old doing some work in the yard and, and, and throwing something in, in the barn and, and, and turned around and, and I got hit in the head with something and it was the head of an axe. And I, I can remember, uh, I won't go into graphic detail, but I can remember what happened after that and how scary it was. And, and right on the forehead, I can tell you ladies and gentlemen, if I ever go bald, I'll look like Mikhail Gorbachev. There's a scar about that long underneath there somewhere. I'm just praying for hair. But I can remember what it felt like. I can remember not just the pain, but the fear. And I ran up the hill praying and yelling for my parents. And they started grabbing white towels. And while they were grabbing towels, they were praying. And we were about a 40-minute drive away from the hospital. So we were praying the entire trip. And when we got there and they did x-rays, not one scratch on the bone. Now, I'm no medical scientist. But there's not much skin there. I don't think it's too deep that you have to drill down to that you're in your head. That wasn't an accident. I remember a specific gentleman on a Friday night fellowship rally that had a blind eye open. I was there. I can remember seeing... Uh, a woman who was lame on a Sunday night service come in with a walker and pick her walker up and leave that night. That was my mother. I, I remember seeing that happen. I, I remember that. Uh, I, I remember the story because I was there. But there are occurrences when I start recounting the days of my life, Pastor, and I start looking at all the events, they seem like they were a long time ago. And it's not that we're without sickness. And it's not that we're without issue. 
But I, I don't remember the last time I saw a miracle. I don't remember the last time I saw this, this level of greatness achieved. And it bothers me today because the, because the ending result of what happened when that generation passed on, the generation that followed them, that had seen what God had done, their parents had seen what God had done, the generation that followed them did not know God. The generation that followed them didn't know the works of the Lord. Judges 2 and 7, the Bible says, And the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua, and all the days of the elders that outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great works of the Lord that he did for Israel. It was as though as long as the people saw the great works of God, they lived for him. So what's going to happen to us today if we raise up a generation that's never seen God perform great miracles? Where is the destiny of our future generation if they don't know what a move of God is? We shouldn't still be talking about the great revival of 96. And if some of you don't even know what that is, we're still not doing our job right. That was one of the most more pivotal moments in this church's history. And, and, and please, I'm not trying to be negative this morning, but I just want to be transparent with you. I, I'm not suggesting that we've not had good times since then. We've had people saved, and we've, there's been people added to the kingdom of God since then. But on that level of magnitude... Uh, on that level of power and authority from the kingdom of God, we've not had an experience like that since. Not that I can remember. What does that do for our children? They saw the great works of God, so they lived for Him. For those of us that fit into that category, there are certain truths that you'll never turn on. There are some of you this morning here, you'll never change your mind about the oneness of the Godhead. You believe it. There are some of us here this morning that will never change our mind on God's ability to heal and do miracles. Because we've seen it. There are some of us this morning that we will never change our mind on holiness living and baptism in Jesus' name. Because we've seen its power, we've lived it. But what happens to those that haven't seen it? Moses gave a charge to Joshua. Joshua gave a charge to the elders. The Apostle Paul in New Testament writing gave a charge to the church. 2 Timothy 4 and 6 he says, For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. 2 Timothy 4 9 says, Do thy diligence to come shortly unto me, for Demoth hath forsaken me, having loved this present world Demas was a child of God Demas was an aisle runner Demas was a Sunday night worshiper Demas could have been a musician and singer he could have been a Sunday school teacher I'm trying to put it in modern day terms this morning Demas was a child of God no different than you but the Bible says that he had forsaken Paul, he had forsaken Timothy, having loved this present world. Ladies and gentlemen, if you don't give a love in your heart for God, 
If you do not get a love for your, in your heart for God, you will forsake Him. Because you will not stay with something you don't like. We cannot afford to forsake what God has done for us. There is too much at stake for the next generation that we have got to protect. If you are not, if you are not farther forward today than you were whenever you started with God, then that means you've went backwards. Now, I, I say that not to criticize. But while we reflect on that, let me ask you a question this morning. What message does that give your children? Because sin is a selfish life. And when you live in sin, you're not worried about your children. You're worried about what you want to do and how much you enjoy it. But there will be a day you'll wake up and you'll wonder why your kid's behind bars. Why your kid's 16 years old and drunk. Why they're 14 years old and smoking cigarettes. Why they're 13 years old and playing with the other sex. If you don't teach them now, they're not going to know it later. I'm talking to some Demases this morning that's just on the edge of forsaking God and forsaking what God's done. Hold on just a little bit longer because God is worth it. Verse 10 continues to say, and there arose another generation after them. Two things there. Which knew not the Lord, nor His works. You can know the works of God and not know God. But not only did they not know the Lord, they didn't know His works which he had done for Israel. In order for that to happen, at some point in time, someone had to stop talking about it. It would have been impossible for that generation to grow up and not know the works of God if their parents had been talking about it. But at some point, their parents decided that all this memory of what God had done in their life and for their parents and, and the generations before them, that it just wasn't worth discussing anymore. So a decade or two goes by and they've raised a generation that's never heard the stories of how God healed. That's never heard the stories of the Red Sea split. That's never heard the stories of how God supplied food. Of how God supplied water. That's never heard the stories of how God supplied protection. Never heard the stories of how God gave forgiveness. It amazes me that some people can raise their children and do nothing with them and then step back and wash their hands clean and say, well, I just don't know what happened. You leave your children's life up to the church, and we've only got them five or six hours a week. Bishop went through those hours, I think, a week ago, 
and the rest of the week they've got unaltered, untaught, undisciplined time that you don't care about? How do you expect them to be saved? How do you expect them to want to come to church? They were just a few steps away from the elders. That knew not the Lord, nor yet His works. That's why it's important this morning that we come to church, we have a connection with God. We must have a connection with God. Because if we come to church and it's just business as usual, and there's no fire, and there's no revival, and I'm not talking about special services, but there's no revival of souls, there's no Holy Ghost activity, there's no baptisms in Jesus' name, there's no one receiving the Holy Ghost. Because Let me tell you something, somebody receiving the Holy Ghost is a miracle. That is an awesome experience. And it's one that not only can you not explain for yourself, but it's just neat to see. And it's good for children to see. And if they're not seeing it, they're not going to believe it. We must produce something that is alive. The world has all kinds of excitement. We must produce something that is alive. Never before, I want you to hear this this morning, never before has it been more popular to worship. Never before has it been more popular to be different. Just go to Walmart and look around. There's plenty of difference out there. Big difference. I was at Walmart recently, stood behind somebody in line for about 15 minutes because they didn't have enough cash registers open. I know you can say amen to that. There's this, I don't know if it was a dude or a girl. I really couldn't tell. I had a mohawk that was about 18 to 24 inches tall from the front of their forehead to the back. It was like a porcupine spike. Painted blue. That wasn't in New York City. That was actually in Lawrenceville. Good old southern Illinois. Backwoods country folk. It's popular to be different. So let me ask you a question this morning. Why is it so hard to serve God? Being different is not the issue. It's repentance. It's forgiveness of sin. It's turning away from selfishness. Sin is selfish. And once it gets its hooks in your life, all you care about is you. We must fight to live truth. We must fight to be different. We must fight to worship. We must fight to praise. It's not easy every time we come to church. But we need to have a connection with God because there's another generation that's rising up just a few steps away that need to see God. Brother Mason, I just, I just don't feel it when I come to church. Get sin out of your life. I 
realize that's, that's strong this morning. But you're not going to connect to God with sin separating you from Him. You, you can't live in sin Monday through Saturday and come to church on Sunday and expect to feel good. <clears throat> I'm going to get retirement early, I think. We need to feel something. But we need to go beyond feeling something. We need to produce something. We've lived too many years just feeling something. And I fear that that might be the reason we're in the shape we're in because we've lived off of a feeling. We need to live off an experience. Because a feeling, if you feel good this morning, it's going to be gone by dinner time. And when you're tempted next, that feeling's not going to stop you. We need a connection. We, we have this motto around here that First Apostolic Church is a place where heaven and earth connect. We need to make that motto real. We need to connect. We adults need to connect. We need to quit worrying about having our five teenagers lead us. We need to connect. <clears throat> I, I, was, I, was, I took, took a count Friday night before, before church. And uh, just, just a few years ago, not, not too far removed from this, we, we were averaging 27 on Friday night. And those 27 that were here on Friday night were here on Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. And undeniably, without hesitation, I'll tell you the single source reason why the ones that are not here anymore are no longer here. Sin. They stopped praying. They didn't have a relationship with God. They went searching for a boyfriend or a girlfriend in the world. Sin will separate you. Sin will keep you from God. That's its purpose. Sin is a twofold street. Because there is the sin of action. Things that you consciously do that are wrong. And then there is the sin of omission. The things that are right that you need to be doing that you've removed from your life. You can have everything on the exterior right and you can have your speech right and you can come to church every time the doors are open, ladies and gentlemen. Hear me this morning. And you can still have sin in your life if you've removed the truth of the Word of God from your heart. The things that are right in our life, we must keep in our life. And that requires an effort. It's not easy. Jude 1.3, he says, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith. I believe, if, if my history is correct, this verse was only written 50 years after Pentecost. Wasn't long. Just a generation removed from the day of Pentecost when the Holy Ghost was given, and they were already getting comfortable. Because the word contend means to fight. If you've got a contention with someone, you've got to fight with them. If you're going to earnestly contend for the faith, that means you've got to fight for it. That means I'm not going to let anybody separate me from God. 
I'm not going to let my job separate me from God. I'm not going to let my spouse separate me from God. Oh, yeah. You think your marriage is good because you've surrendered a couple of things. You come back to God and find out how good it is. You got to fight for it. You got to fight for it. You got to make up your mind. I want to go to heaven. There is only one alternative. I want streets of gold. I can't see that being comfortable in my salvation. You got to contend for the faith. There's another generation. Ah. You surrender the things of God from your life. You surrender your talents with God from your life. You walk away from them to please your household. Your household will not stand. Now that's not a threat and I'm not being critical. That's a promise by the word of God because a house divided against itself will not stand. Brother Mason, it's not easy. He never said it was going to be easy. Preaching this message isn't easy either, but it's necessary. You've got to fight for some things. If you want to be saved, you've got to fight for it. Because there's plenty of things in 2013 to grab your attention. <laughs> if we stop now, if we stop preaching truth in 2013 because we live in a generation where no one wants their feelings hurt. And we don't know what hard truth really is. And we want to just have a good pat on the back and have itching ears. If we stop that now, don't expect 10 years from now your children to recognize church. This isn't in my notes, but bear with me just a moment. You say, Brother Mason, but I've been hurt. You know, I get that. Because, in essence, we've all been hurt. And let me tell you something this morning. My worst hurt, hear me carefully, my worst hurt and pain in life emotionally came from within the church. I'm not saying necessarily this church, but the church body. My worst emotional hurt came from within the body of Christ. But I am not going to go to hell because of someone else's ignorance. I'm not punishing them, Sister Craig. If I stop and withdraw because they hurt me, I'm not hurting them. I'm hurting myself. I'm condemning my own life. I'm hurting my son. I'm hurting my grandkids. I'm hurting the future of my family. Oh, God. We need to contend for the faith. we stop now your kids don't know about it they're not going to hear it 
They're not going to see it. They're not going to feel it. Church will be a foreign object to them. They'll be 25 years old and never been to church that they can remember. My son's 14 years old this, this morning. But if I walk away from God today, 20 years from now, this would be nothing but a vague memory. He's not a fully developed adult. There's plenty of things he would forget. I got some highlights of whenever I was 14 that are stick with me the rest of my life. But guarantee you me, I don't remember everything. I've been hurt. How do you get over it? You worship anyway. Your worship in that moment may be nothing but tears. But you surrender that to God and say, Okay, God, help me carry this. God, help me carry this. I've been misinterpreted. I've been misled. I've been lied to. You have to. But I say this morning flat-footed and as sincerely as I can, that's no excuse not to serve God. I've got a biblical support for that. Calvary. We, we, we don't need anything else. I don't need any Old Testament references. I don't need Psalmist David. I don't need Apostle Paul. Calvary. He was spit on. He was lied about. He was persecuted. He was beat. And he remained dumb. Not ignorant. Silent. He remained speechless. He didn't say a word. He didn't defend himself. You know what, ladies and gentlemen? There comes a time in your life that you just need to let go of some things and quit defending yourself. Because it may not be anything you need to defend. Yeah, well, we'll go on. Jesus remained silent, and he was the ultimate example for us on how to get over some things that are wrong to us in our life. He didn't come down off of Calvary in that moment and say, well, whew, this isn't worth it. No, he, what did he say? He said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do we are instructed in New Testament scripture to pray for our enemies I wonder this morning if we took a poll on how many of us do that how many would pass pray because I guarantee you if you will pray for someone that you think is wronged you You'll either find out in prayer that you're right and God will help heal you or you'll find out you're wrong and He'll give you a chance to repent. Amen, Brother Mason. That's right. There's another generation. The other generation is not babies. The other generation is already here. The, another generation is already present with us. They, they had the pallbearers. They had the casket. Joshua was laying in the casket, however it was of that day. They had the pallbearers there. They had the elders that were present. 
The next generation was present. They, they may have been the babies in the crowd. They may have been the toddlers, the younger generation, but they were there. They had the opportunity to grow up in God, but somebody let them down. They grew up and knew not the Lord and ended up serving Balaam. Balaam is just a plural word for Baal that means they served many gods. Theodore Roosevelt said, It is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how, strong, how the strong man stumbled or where the doer of deeds could have done better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly and errs, who errs and comes short again and again, who knows the great enthusiasms, the great devotions, and spends himself in a worthy cause, who at best knows achievement, and who at worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who know neither victory nor defeat. must protect the present generation and the next generation before they're lost forever. I stood on a Friday night two or three, maybe four years ago and it was, it was a particular Friday evening worship service and fusion that the Lord just fell and baptized us with his presence and I spoke something to them and I, I certainly do not say this braggingly this morning but for comparison's sake because I felt prompted by the Lord to, to do so and I told them that there were some of them present that if they did not get a relationship with God in their heart that they were only, they were only a few years removed away from not serving him Salvation is not a game. We need to, to come to grips with something today. There are only two options. We should only consider one as an option. But There are only two things that's going to happen to you when you die. One of two things. You're either going to go to heaven, or you're not. And if you don't, life does not just blissfully stop and go silent because you're asleep. The Bible instructs us that the only other possibility is in the flames of hell. A place that God did not design for you, but Satan did. And one prophet wrote, Oh, how hell hath enlarged herself beyond measure. Stand with me this morning. You have an adversary. In the New Testament, he disguised himself as an angel of light. 
If you're not careful, you'll classify certain things as being acceptable. I don't know why, for the love of God, people would miss church to spend time with their family. But we've convinced ourselves in this hour that that's all right. The greatest place you need your family is at church. Because if you're not taking your family to heaven, where are you taking them? There is another generation. I wonder how many this morning would gather around this altar. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.